You're listening to a Malu Entertainment original podcast. Hey everyone, and on this week's episode of the Ably Diverse Chronicles, we are joined by the beautiful Amanda Marks. They are a gender fluid spoken word artist and performer, and we chat about the importance of being their true selves and how that's influenced their work. Enjoy! The following episode contains topics which some listeners may find distressing. If you are in need of support, please reach out to Lifeline, Beyond Blue or other such services in your area. Hey Amanda, welcome to the show. I'm so stoked to have you. How are you? Hi Mel, nice to be talking with you. Let's, um, let's do this. Obviously, I wanted you on the show because I thought you're such an amazing individual and there's so much to you that I think it's worthy of a story to tell. So I'm so glad you could be here. I guess what I want to start with is how would you describe Amanda Marks? Briefly, um, interfluent. So I'm happy to present... Mostly femininely, but um, sometimes a little more masculinely. Um, depends whether I've got um, my wig on or not, to be honest, because um, the, um, the more masculine me is um, rapidly losing hair. <laughs> um, so I just weave a path through those two gender personas, really. I think that is a fantastic description. I guess you you kind of, when you wake up in the morning, you kind of feel whatever's in your heart is who you are. And if that's more masculine, so be it. And if that's more feminine, then yeah. that's I think that's the best way to be because you just, I guess the feeling I'm getting from you is that you just follow what's in your soul. Would that be accurate? Yeah, that pretty much sums it up. Um, as a part of me feels that I'm being a bit greedy, I'm sort of wanting it all, but um, it's not quite as sort of um, black and white as that because, as you've rightly said, it just depends how I feel that day and um, sometimes what I'm up to. So, um, for example, tonight I'm doing a spoken word um, short poetry thing um, in Clayton. And um, I'll be very much Miss Amanda because it sort of suits the, the poem. So, um, yeah, it depends on the situation to some extent and how much energy I've got. How exciting for you. You're so good at spoken word. And I know that's how we first met. And I was just um, inspired and intrigued by you. Spoken word event is actually where we first met. What was that journey towards the persona of Amanda? What made you decide that, yes, this is the journey that I want to go on? That journey started when I was, um, gee, four or five. So it goes back a long way. Um, lots of decades in between there and now. 
Um, yeah, it's always been in the back of my mind. And then probably 15 or 20 years ago now, I just decided I needed to do it rather than just think about it. So, um, you know, I sort of decided that rather than just sort of rock up at home and be in the closet, I actually needed to be out and about, which is why we met at um, Ears and Hyenas, I'm pretty sure, um, doing one of those out and about spoken thingies. <laughs> so um, it's sort of progressed from there and now it's pretty seamless, I think. That moment that you realised that that's what the journey needed to be, was that... Um, sort of freeing or was it terrifying? I guess it's a mixture of emotions. I've never, you know, felt felt it myself. But I can imagine the idea of deciding whether you should do something like that could be quite daunting, especially when you're quite young. And, you know, trying to research, I guess, the journey of what you feel is right for yourself. Um, a weight lifted, as you've rightly put it. Um, it was incredibly freeing and it just felt right. Um, it wasn't scary. Um, I've never been scared. I've gone anywhere I wish and it's never been an issue. Um, had I done it decades earlier, I think it would have been. Um, I think the world's moved on by and large. Um, in the last decade or two, but um, certainly growing up and through high school, as much as I wanted to do it, I, I think I was just um, too uh, afraid of the consequences, um, probably way too self-conscious about it, and um, being a bit older and the world changing, um, just made it pretty easy. And so from day one, stepping out, it's sort of been a breeze, to be honest. Things always happen for a reason. That's my take on it. So, But I guess, did did you also find that um, spoken word was a avenue on where you could sort of get your feelings out on it as well and spread knowledge without, you know, going out too far and sort of easing yourself into it, I guess. I know I found it with me. Um, the first time I wrote was the first time I wrote you and it was bloody terrifying, but it was one of the most gratifying, freeing moments of my life and I'm, I'm actually really glad I did it because I was really sort of toying with the idea of, oh, should I, shouldn't I? It was, yeah. I just remember being terrified, but now I feel freed by it. I think any sort of um, public performance or talk or anything any one of us do um, to a group of people is pretty scary. And um, in terms of performance, for me, I think it needs to be, and for a lot of performers I've spoken to, they need to have that sort of bit of adrenaline and be a little bit afraid that this could fail um, just to sort of 
step over the threshold of actually putting your our words out there um, into the public arena um, to an audience um, with no prior knowledge as to how they'll respond. Um, fortunately, I think most audiences are pretty forgiving um, and the sort of amateur places that I tend to do that sort of thing are very forgiving. And especially now that I'm living in the country, a lot of us know each other. So there's a huge amount of mutual support for anyone having a go. And um, I'm, sh I'm sure that that performance stuff has helped me just in everyday life, just to go down the street and sit and have a coffee somewhere in whatever persona I choose to be in. So um, it's been a big plus. I've really enjoyed it. So the stuff that you write, where does it come from? Is it more of a personal space, a spiritual space, or is it just things that you are interested in or a combination of all those things? Well, everything I'm writing is as a, a personal basis. Um, I... I'm not a spiritual person. Um, that, although, yeah, that said, um, having just spent two months in Japan at the end of last year visiting 88 Buddhist temples, um, some, shin, some combination Shinto, um, I can understand people heading in a spiritual direction um, and that would certainly influence a lot of writing. Um, hasn't happened for me just yet. So um, I'll never say never, but um, I think it's highly unlikely that that will happen in my life. Um, so getting back to what I started with, the writing is primarily personal. So... A lot of it's um, to do with um, love, um, falling in, falling out, um, all of that. Um, there's certainly some gender stuff involved um, in short stories of coming out, um, ideally with a lot of humour because it has had some very funny moments. <laughs> Uh, which is good. Um, and there's then been a lot of influence from my reading through many and varied forms of literature and poetry. Um, music has played a big role. So, um, yeah. But, yeah, going back to your thoughts on Japan, I was actually going to ask you about that, whether you found that spiritual or not. And I guess... It sounds like you did in some way, which you didn't expect. Um, whether you call it spirit, spirituality, you might call it something else, maybe enlightenment more than spirituality, maybe? Yeah, the overriding impression that I was left with after that two months in Japan was a feeling that the people I met every single day had an enormous amount of grace in their being 
in how they dealt with me. Um, and that grace was a combination of kindness and generosity, of openness. Mm. Um, I, um, I felt very privileged to um, be in their country as a complete sort of doofus to some mm -hmm. extent. My Japanese language skills were almost non-existent, but I was made so welcome. Um, and, you know, I met people at the temples and then in the villages and even some of the big cities um, because I was on a long walk. So um, over that two months, we covered um, roughly 1,250 kilometres. Um, so it took a long time and at a pace that let me see people sort of as they really are. No, I wasn't so much a tourist. I was visiting um, within their sort of home environments and seeing them for who I thought they really are. And it, it's grace that um, is the overriding feeling and sentiment and um, being that I found was just so um, intriguing, so enticing and addictive. I can't wait to go back. Overwhelming sense of gratitude that you felt and they didn't see you as a, they're out, you know, they saw you for your soul is the um, impression that I'm getting from, from you there, which is, would be so um soul gratifying i think it's just well not soul gratifying i guess that's that's a bit too intense but food for the soul would have been so nourishing for you um did you find that having such a creative mind helped you with that as well to be able to see that gratitude and also what made you suddenly decide to go to japan was it a spur of the moment thing or was it something you'd thought about for quite some time? I first went to Japan just pre-COVID for a couple of weeks and went to Tokyo, uh, which is wonderfully insane, very exciting place. And then for the other half of that trip went to Kyoto, which is sort of the zen opposite to Tokyo. It's very gardens and temples and... Oh, just beautiful. Um, but no matter where I went on that trip, the people that we met, um, and I went with a girlfriend um, on that trip, um, we were just treated so well with so much kindness. Um, I planned sort of there and then to go back, and I'd heard about this walk um, 88 temple pilgrimage on the island of Shikoku. Um And then it came along, so I just had to put it off until uh, the end of last year. So um, it was always a plan to go back, and it was always a plan to do it on my own. Um, but, um, excuse me. But um, every day I met people along the way. So it's a very old walk. I think it's been around for over 1,300 years. Um, a bit like the Camino in Spain. So um, 
lots of people through um, the pilgrimage, um, mostly as Buddhist pilgrims, but um, they, they, will, they welcome anyone who wishes to participate. Um, so I was doing a secular walk to 88 sacred places. Um, so that gave me a plan of action. And um, even though it sounds like a long way, you just do a little bit every day. And then every now and then I'd take the day or two off. So um, I sort of recharged the battery. And of course, being Japan, the food absolutely everywhere is superb. It's just stunning. But I can, I can imagine from the way you're describing it, how incredible that would be. Not only the scenery as you're walking around, but the people as well. Um, my question was that, do you think being a creative made you see all of that in a different light? I very definitely looked at everything through, yeah, let's call it a creative eye. Um, I've certainly, I was inspired along the way to write um, the story of that journey um, because sort of two months of walking uh, was a long time to um, think about stuff. And um, I've got a bit of a plan taking shape and it's going to take me months and months to write it up properly. Um, but lots of photos, so that's um, going to be very helpful. And uh, it'll be a combination um, prose and poetry journal of sorts. So um, it'll be interesting to see what falls out of um, all that time sort of lost in my head and sometimes lost in the mm -hmm. landscape. But... Um, even getting lost was great fun and worked out very well. So, um, yeah, a wonderful adventure. It's potentially the best thing I've ever done in my entire life. So, um, as I said, I cannot wait to go back. Back to when we first met, and it's spoken word was something I never considered doing. And I know um, a friend of mine that you're also no, Fiona Patton was the one that sort of pushed me to do it and got me in touch with the um, publishing company that you and I were both involved in, which was um, Little Raven. And I guess that was a changing point in my life where it was very triggering. I know when I first met the organiser of that, I actually, um, I'm not sure whether you were, I don't think you were there, I was in a writing class with her and I had a panic attack. I'd driven all, all the way down to Melbourne from the country and got halfway through the class and thought, I can't do this. Um, and I ran out and I think she thought I was slightly psychotic. Um, but then she welcomed me back for the first Velvet Tongue, which is where I met you. Um, and yeah, that changed my anxiety levels tenfold once I was pushed, sort of pushed myself into doing it.
Um, so do you sort of have that same kind of feeling? I remember um, not your first instance of having that panic attack, but the second time I was there. And um, that was very brave of you to come back and to have another crack. And because at the end of the day, it's a very scary thing to do. And um, we're all going to react differently to it. But I think I can't help feeling that when it's possible to move beyond that scariness, um, no matter what the creative pursuit might be, um, it just seems to me to be such a worthwhile thing to do. I know in my case it's been a really big confidence boost. So um, I can only speak highly of um, doing the, the few things that I've done, um, which isn't a lot um, at all. And it's it's all amateur stuff, which is great. Um, but for, you know, for everyone, it's a different journey. Um, and yours in particular, I think, is incredibly brave um, for lots of reasons. Um, and just looking at how you've peopled life um, is just amazing to see and incredibly inspiring for others, myself in particular. So well done you. Um, look, any creative pursuit or even an interest, just being an audience participant, being being part of that support group and enjoying and, and leading words or music or whatever it might be, um, seep in to who we are is a very worthwhile thing to do. Uh, you know what, I actually forgot about that until you said it. And I remember that night, I think, the ABC were also in that night because they were filming a series called Luke Bomb Sex with the wonderful Luke McGregor. And I had to be on after, straight after the camera that turned off the ABC. And I think what happened that night was that I also remembered that it was the anniversary of the death of my spinal surgeon who I've spoken about to you and and in the previous episodes of this podcast and um every I guess every day I'm so thankful for him because I know that I wouldn't be able to even be there um and yeah it just got to me and I kicking myself that I couldn't do it because I had to get the organizer to um read it for me which I I felt I'd let you down. I felt that I'd let myself down. Um, but I'm glad I could walk back in there and she could still do it for me. Um, it, actually, I'm going to be honest with all my audience and say, even doing this podcast scares the shit out of me. Um, it came from a premise of someone asking me to write an autobiography and I had no idea where to start. So I thought... Why not do a podcast? Which why not when you've got severe anxiety? Why why not do something that scares you? Um. So yeah, I thank you for your sweet words. I, I'm a bit overwhelmed by that. So thank you. Um. But yeah, that first time was I think I was writing a piece about sexual assault. It got a bit too much. 
And I don't know why that was the first thing that came into my head. But it obviously needed to be something that had to be come out. And, uh, yeah, props to the organiser for allowing me to come back for that. It's definitely been therapeutic. I haven't thought about it specifically in those terms, but there's no doubt that it genuinely has been. So um, for that reason alone, I think it's well worth pursuing um, for any of us, um, yourself included. It, um, it's just something that uh, now that I've sort of started doing it more regularly, I think will be hopefully a part of who I am for a long time to come. We've, well, you and I have got some deep connection going on that I don't think, I think you may have realised, but I didn't realise until this point. Yesterday, I was lucky enough to share a bottle of wine with some <laughs> beautiful friends who then invited me to dinner and we chatted until 11 o'clock last night. And that is simply joy to have conversation, to have friends that are so easy and seamless to be with. I just find, um, particularly since moving to the country, that that has been um, a godsend for want of a better term um, and is no doubt the reason I will hopefully be staying here for a very long time to come. Thanks so much, Mel. Love, love. There's nothing better than chatting with beautiful souls such as yourself, and I'm so grateful that I get to do that. So thank you so much for joining me. It's been an honour. Thanks for joining us, everyone, and remember to connect with us on our socials and our Patreon. We'd love to hear from you, and also with your feedback and ideas. Join us next time on the Ainsley Ives Chronicles. Thank you.